Get over it. Because all of this has to go. It has to. Time to burn it down. You're hung up on angles. We will this and that Welcome to Radical Listening, the Portland podcast where we talk to local artists about their work. I'm your host, Phil Johnson. And I'm your co-host, Clifton Holtznagel. What a great episode. I um, think so. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was a great... Uh, I, I just really loved getting to sit down with those two people because um, I freaking loved that show so much. It was so nice to go see Refuge at Shaking the Tree. Um, Every time I talk to Sam, I'm always reminded of just how warm a spirit Sam is. And it came through in her work for sure, but just also just in this conversation. Yeah. I mean, her intention with her whole piece was to make a gift for people. That's what it was at the beginning. And it really felt like that refuge was um, truly a gift. And um, the short flicks too, I've seen a few of them um, and hoping to be able to find more online at some point. But uh, those are uh, really great internet content uh, put out by Shaking the Tree over the last couple of months. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Also, I just want to mention how great it was to meet Rebby. I had I was unfamiliar with their work before, and now that I've experienced, you know, what Shaking the Tree is doing, I'm just really, really uh, hopeful for that partnership at Shaking the Tree. So yeah, it was really wonderful to meet them. I had seen them start to pop up mostly through this Shaking the Tree stuff and um, theater stuff around town. So uh, yeah, really great to meet new artists, uh, keeping the inspiration flowing. And uh, yeah, nourishing the people. Without any further ado, this is our interview with Samantha Vandermerva and Rebby Ewer Foster. Welcome to Radical Listening. Today on the show, we have Samantha Vandermerva and Rebby Ewer Foster. Um, Samantha is the artistic director at Shaking the Tree Theater, and Rebby is an artistic associate. Uh, they were both involved with Refuge, which is running January 30th through April 24th at Shaking the Tree Theater, and their short flick series, which is on shakingthetree.com. So yeah, over the winter, Shaking the Tree has uh, been putting out some pretty cool uh, content. We've got the online stuff with short flicks and also Refuge, which is a... Um, well, Sam, how would you describe Refuge? Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's a... Um... A, a kind of a sacred circle it's a sacred circle where you can step in and um, be really contemplative about the moment we're in and um, our place in the larger universe yeah I think yeah I can I, that, that sounds about right yeah we, that's definitely how I felt <laughs> we went and saw it a few days ago and uh, <laughs> yeah it was definitely a sacred circle and it was grounding as well yeah Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, and uh, Rebby, uh, I'm just curious about your um, involvement with Shaking the Tree. It seems you've, you're involved with Refuge and uh, with a lot of the short flicks. Uh, I'm just uh, curious about that. Yeah, I joined the Shaking the Tree team in July. So it's been about six months. Um, at first, I was doing like mostly literary stuff, but recently we've been producing pieces 
we found like a lot of scripts that we like and like kind of conceptualized how we wanted to put them out in a way that is online and covid friendly mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's really cool to see how shaking the tree uh took like two approaches to covid friendly performance experience because we've been seeing a lot of online work and uh, i like the diversity of short flicks how there's um you know some stuff that's very clearly like film versus stuff that is you know scripted and written like theater and then also refuge being an actual thing you can go see so yeah what was the what was the thought process behind the creation of both of those uh, series um well i can talk about refuge and then um Rebby, you can uh, chat a little bit about short flicks because that also happened pretty organically hey yeah. <laughs> um, refuge I, it was one of those things that just hit me like you know we were uh, i think a week into the lockdown so that was like we just canceled the antipodes you know everyone was shocked and kind of in limbo and i realized that you know i had a theater to go to which i felt really grateful for and um you know because my husband was working from home in the basement and then I had two kids living at home who were each kind of doing their own work in different rooms and so I decided that I would go to the theater in in the afternoon like around one o'clock every day and just start painting um my initial impulse was to make a gift for everyone just like we're all going through this terrible you know crazy thing like let me just make a gift for people I don't quite know what it will be and then like you know these wonderful ideas that kind of tease you and kind of I don't know just like keep talking to you um the idea for refuge came and it felt like um it wanted to be something like um Stonehenge or like a church but where we really subverted the you know, Catholicism, Our Lady, and and turn them into Our Lady of, you know, we've got um, Our Lady of the Primordial Fire and uh, Our Lady of the Primal Waters and just kind of come back to the beginning of how we used to kind of worship nature um, Mm -hmm. and how it, you know, it's been superseded and um, how theater is such a sacred place for me anyway. So, And theater is basically, you know, started out just as ritual. So when you take it down to its bones, what is theater? It's people coming into a space to experience something and hopefully have some kind of uh, transformation or just, you know, contemplate something and leave feeling a different way than they came in. Um, Say it again for the people in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was it. And you know, obviously it morphed a lot because at first it was me and I was like, okay, I'm, we can't spend any money because shaking the tree is basically fucked right now. Like we can't even, don't even know how to pay our rent. Mm. Um, so I thought I had flats, you know, stacked up from the last show. I was like, I'll use the flats as canvases. I have paint. I don't have to buy a thing. Um, and one day, you know, if this ever kind of comes to fruition, I can pay a sound designer to make a, you know, some kind of soundscape. So it started out as um, as that of just the paintings and a soundscape. But then, you know, the uprising happened and, you know, George Floyd, and it became more about just me and what I wanted to say. And that's when I was like, okay, well, on so many levels, but 
it felt like it was such a good opportunity if we were still going to do it to um, have it be 11 collective voices oh my and God. not just me. No, I mean, I thought it was so beautiful and so diverse. <clears throat> like the forms uh, on the actual flats were beautiful. But then when you put the the voices on top of that or the experiences on top of that, it just took it to, it was transcending. And it was yeah. really cool to see the differences in some things were really, you know, intellectual. Some things were really as existential. Some things were just slices of life. Some, you know, it just was all this different, um, almost like ways in, you know, different access points to this kind of broader uh, tone that you were setting. And I'm actually really curious, do you ever get to see people interacting with the piece or do you just leave them to, to no. So the only person who can see is uh, Natasha, who's up in the booth, mm -hmm. um, who, you know, is running. She has three cues, three. It's cue heavy show. Yeah. yeah. On, <laughs> off, and the apple. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. So um, whoever's running the door on that night just goes um, into the office. So people are really just left alone. Mm. And um, I read, I actually like that at first, um, I, you know, during our previews, I wanted to be in there and watch what the preview audiences were doing, who were really just the artists who participated in the piece. Um, but even then I was like, no, I don't even want to watch them. I want them to have their own experience because it's such a personal experience and you should have it, the place to yourself. Yeah, I felt that it, it felt like, um, you know, because you were there when we came and then yeah. you just disappeared. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, and we were in there rolling around and just like taking it all in, laying on the floor and everything. And I was That's like, so good to hear. I was like, this is such a safe space right now. And, and I can't I can't remember the last time that I had a, the a theater experience that felt like that, where I felt completely safe you know, and, okay. and, and that I could go on my own internal journey guided by you. It really was like a guided meditation. Mm. And yeah. so I just, I just really was like blown away by that. And then I just wanted to comment on the form as well, which was so inspiring to see because I've been really into this whole, this whole um, ephemeral art kind of idea and the mandala and all of these types of things and so to see you painting on the flats to me especially as a as a techie you know was just like oh my god this is exactly it I was like I want to do one of these <laughs> just like the murals and then you know like who knows it's like every time I come back it could be different and like you know and there's something really beautiful about the idea that um you know it really is a happening like you come you have this experience but then you could paint them black and then it would all go away yeah and I know. So beautiful. Yeah. Well, you should do it because I've seen your paintings. Oh, thank so you. there you go. That's now you have a project. Oh, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> um, oh yeah. I um, curious about two things. One being the um, the the goddesses and in, in f feminine principles that you were pulling from. Were you like were you divining those are archetypes or are those um, archetypes that you found from other places? Um, combination of both that's a great question i think um it was this idea of me having a party and knowing who i wanted to invite and then each day a new one would be like you have to invite this person mm. um and i think some of them were like 
you know, if I, I was kind of going with creation myths from all over the the world, and you know, there's always kind of the same principles. You know, you have um, breath, and um, you have, you know, then the kind of you have the waters, and then out of the waters, you know, births the kind of sky and the earth, and so they were kind of those basic ones, and just to you know, their names would just kind of pop in and be like, yes, that's the one. And then as we, I think I was going to have seven. And then as I started doing it, I, then I started thinking about the um, artists who I would invite, the performers and the writers, and um, it became suddenly 11. And I, well, I think it was 10. And then I, then I kind of designed the circle and I was like, oh no, shit, it has to be 11 because we have to, you know, add, yeah. add an extra panel. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, kind of came pretty. But I did, um, I mean, I looked, I have this beautiful book called the um, Book of Symbols. And um, I got a lot of research out of that book. I got a lot. Yeah, I noticed that there were yeah. symbols attached with um, each of the... Um the paintings and I, I I saw some of them were related to the zodiac but some weren't right yeah, yeah that's cool. um that was the graphic designer's idea to kind of put a symbol so we looked through um I found symbols that were related to each of those elements and some of them are alchem symbols from alchemy mm -hmm. and um oh my gosh they're from all over and some are from the zodiac yeah some are um just from ancient ancient you know scribbling on cave walls i don't know it's amazing so <laughs> so rebby what was it like to be a participant in this did you see the panel that you were going to work off of first or did you cut like how did that that come together for you yeah so sam gave me the list of goddesses and i chose our lady of lunar reflection because my middle name means moon child in oh, chinese wow. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> so um, we started looking into Chang'e, who is the moon goddess in China. Um, and I started like formulating like questions that I had surrounding like the moon and nighttime and like uh, individuality and community and all of that. And I think I actually shot the video. I did a video piece. I think I shot the video piece before I saw the panel. Is that right? Yeah. I think I was editing it while we were talking about the panel. So we were like, okay, what images do we want? You put in the rabbit and had like the mirror effect. Um, but yeah, it all just kind of like came together. I think there are some symbols that we talked about on set that were also in the panel that Sam painted. So how did yeah. you decide to bring your mother into it? Ooh, um... Damn, I don't know. It just felt, I don't know. I wanted to create something that felt like very genuine to me. I think I've been an actor for so long and I've been like telling other characters stories for so long that I wanted to create something that felt like actually me. So basically everybody in the video, all my friends, I hired my friends to shoot it with me and everything. Yeah, it just felt right. Also with my mom who gave me the middle name Moonchild, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say that uh, what, what's been really cool, uh, what was really cool about Refuge and what I've been seeing with a lot of the online theater work lately is that, um, like you were saying, there's a lot of 
theater artists who have been acting and telling other people's stories now telling their own stories in ways that they've wanted to but haven't had a, a venue for. And as much as, you know, uh, COVID turned everything on its head and is a huge tragedy, it also um, opened up the possibilities for performance artists at home. And I mean, I can kind of seg segue into short flicks with this. It was, uh, you got to see people recording themselves from home in certain instances and um, and how it is that just that alone puts a you know several more elements into the hands of the performer uh, technical elements like lighting and where the camera is and all that so um, what was it about like theater was there anything about theater in particular that you were trying to convey through the pieces um, like any aspect of theater because they were diverse in how they were presented and some of them are more like films um, but I was just curious about that, if there was any aspect you were paying attention to specifically. <laughs> well, maybe what we should do That's is fair. explain explain yeah. um, our, our little literary committee. Um, oh, so <laughs> what happened, you know, out of um, the summer and the uprising was, you know, I reached out to um, Black, Indigenous, POC people who had worked with Shaking the Tree and asked for feedback Um and Rebi was one of the people who got back to me with really great suggestions. And Rebi and I've worked together um, quite a few times, so um, I know I know them well. And um, we, I don't know, it just we had a conversation, and then I was like, I want to hire you to come in. I think it was like four hours a week, right? Yeah, I yeah. can't remember what it. Yeah, and um, we'll have, you know, we'll we'll meet. We, we meet um, every two weeks. And I, I think it came out of me realizing that I can't be the sole decision maker at Shaking the Tree anymore. Mm. So it's me, Rebby, Poncho. We all know Poncho. Yes, Poncho. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Natasha, who has worked for Shaking the Tree for a long time. So our goal is to always be 50% or more uh, BIPOC. Mm -hmm. um, so then Rebby started bringing lots of because, you know, your first job was just, um, just literary, <laughs> literary, everything. Yeah. And, um, and then I started bringing stuff and Poncho suggested a few things. So we basically have a huge list of stuff to read. Mm -hmm. And we started kind of sifting through it. And then identifying that we had a bunch of short plays that probably weren't for producing um, live and couldn't be. And then turned them into this. Our first one, Rebi, it was um, the, they were stories. They weren't Knuckle scripts. Tales. Yeah. Why don't you talk about Knuckle those? Tales. Um, so it was around Halloween time. Oh, it's all coming back to me. I, like, <laughs> I know. It's a lot. But it was around, um, it was like early October or something. And we were talking about how we wanted to produce a few like short online pieces around Halloween, um, like spooky tales. But we were talking about how white Halloween is and how white all of the spooky tales that we know are. So we kind of wanted to like normalize supernatural and spooky tales from other cultures. Um, so we hired different people to adapt different supernatural tales. So I adapted a Chinese slash Japanese tale. And that was the first one that we put out. Um, and then we did a couple others. We did um, Mallory's, Mallory's piece. 
We did Mallory's. Shamaran. Yeah. Um, oh, and then there's two. We were supposed to release four, but yeah. there's two. Uh, one of them still needs a bit of work. And then the other one we put on hold for the spring because it needs to be filmed outside. Because the lockdown, the second lockdown happened. Oh, that's yeah. what happened. All, all yeah. 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 Okay. And so we then have more we went to Zoom. To. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. And, and so um, those are, you can still access all of those online, right? Um, the, or the ones that are up so far? Unfortunately, the, the plays um, that we got the rights for, it was for five weeks. Um, so they have kind of run their course. Okay. Um, but the two films are still up there. And then our plan is to keep that page up and keep um, doing kind of short pieces um, digitally, you know, because I think that will now never go away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to think about how theater really had to kind of like com conform to the internet over the course of the summer. Yeah. And we all did. And, it, you know, there's so many ways in which we're doing the same things, but also even kind of like locally or regionally to the city you know, everybody's got a little bit of a spin. Mm -hmm. I honestly think that it's kind of exciting. Sam and I were having a talk the other day about how theater is going to look or like how this can be like a turning point for theater to kind of like catch up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you're, you two specifically are pioneers because what I saw with uh, Refuge was like, all I've I said this to to you all when we were there or like right after we left I was like this is all I've wanted from a theater experience for so long mm. it's just a sacred space with a theatricality element to it but um I feel like so much we have been really kind of like forcing our opinions on our audiences you know yeah. and um it, it, it's just nice to see how delicately you took a step back from that and, and and created like I say a space for for us to kind of have our own self discovery, and I feel like that is much more in line with like the true principles of theater. Of course, there's like an element of liveness. There was um, there was a narrative. There was all of these other theatrical elements, but it it was really about you know leading us towards ourselves. That was like the big 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 draw. And this is again like if you're listening to this, you have you should see this. This is really this is really good work. And it's like the only exhibition you're going to see in Portland right now. So I mean, you might as well. Sam, you said you wanted to make a gift to people. And it was like, my gift was like getting to go somewhere. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, so happy to go to another place. And then it was so nice to be there too. Yeah. It was. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. If you like want to leave your house and you're, you know, you don't want to go to the grocery store, go to Shaking the Tree. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually what, um, what tickled me a lot um, this past weekend when I saw you. Um, I was standing in for Bridget, who's our house manager, and, because it was her birthday this weekend and she was away. And um, that's what everyone said as they came in the door. They were like, it was just so nice to get in the car and go somewhere. And I was Put like, on wow. Shoes the shoes like an outfit. Yeah. yeah, the bar is really low right now. Like people should be putting on stuff because. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Sam, I've just always been curious. Um, 
how how shaking the tree got started? Oh, good question. I mean, I know it's a, um, I know it's a big question, but also it doesn't have to be. I'm because uh, I I don't I don't know the origin story. Oh, okay. I'll try and I'll try and um, make a summary of it. Um, it I uh, moved to Portland in '99, and I had two. Well, my second child was born here um, the next year after that. And I was, you know, working in a preschool and, um, I loved working with young kids because they're like the ultimate artists. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I hated about running a preschool classroom was, um, the parents being like, but is my child ready for kindergarten? And, you know, cause this could affect like their entire school career. And all I wanted to do with them was make art and, um, play in the dress up corner so I decided to open up my own little studio for kids um, and I taught art and drama and they were really young they were like my kids age you know just like early elementary school and um, it really like it really just morphed as I had more time um, as my kids grew and I had more time to kind of think about what I really wanted to do um, I, you know, ended up renting space to do little shows for them and, you know, we'd do them for the parents. And then one day I was like, no, I really want to do, you know, something for adults. And so, but I realized I had no experience directing and no one was going to hire me. So I decided to do a monthly event. It was called <laughs> Story Soup. And I got a restaurant to um, donate a big pot of soup and a bakery to donate bread. And we fed people and just did super short pieces that I like practiced on. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I'm a director now. Um, Because I wanted like quantity, like I had to get a lot of stuff out. But it was a beautiful idea. Um, And then, yeah, so it kind of was like studio first theater second and then you know I just kind of started filling the form more and becoming more ambitious and directing some terrible plays that you know I was really bad at but who cares you have to do that to practice Um, and then when we moved into the large warehouse it kind of flipped it became theater first and classes second because it flipped with my desire to direct more than teach can we just take a moment to acknowledge the importance of food and art feeding people yes and art i know i'm telling you rebby come on yes (laughs) wait what's your opinion you you're ready to go i'm so passionate about this i don't know so i mean we put up the fridge outside of yes i wanted to get yes good Outside of shaking the tree, put it, we put it up in August. No, I I, I talked to you about it in August, and we put it up in October. Um, one because I wanted to put up a fridge somewhere, and I didn't. I had just moved back to Portland, so I didn't really have any other connections. And two because, ooh, I don't know. I do feel like a theater or an art space should be the place where people are welcome to gather for mutual aid. I will say that in a lot of, uh, like, let's just say people of color, like cultures, food and art are very synonymous. 
Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, and that's something I noticed just kind of like being an American food is kind of like distant from art. But like when I go home and like, you know, either or A or am in like some kind of church or like some kind of like art space, there's always a spread of food, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just so interesting to me <laughs> that there's this disconnect. But it's so important because I feel like it, the purpose of art is to like it's like to feed your soul. And then like, of course, mm-hmm. we want to make sure that people feel left like feeling fully nourished, you know, or feeling like they yeah. are, yeah. are being cared for. Mm-hmm. And for people Ooh, who don't absolutely. know about the free fridges, which have been popping up around Portland, could you like explain the concept behind them? I mean, it's yeah, simple, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just fridges and pantries. Um, there's a decent amount. I feel like there are probably like 20, 15 or 20 around Portland. That might be totally wrong, but there's a decent amount of them around Portland. Um, and they're accessible 24 seven and you can bring food there or you can take food from there yeah did you yeah. paint that one out front we did I yeah that was so cool yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i want to paint more we just got a new shelter so i'm trying to nice. paint more great well let's uh let's take our break yeah and we'll come back and we'll do headlines is your smart tv outsmarting you are you drowning in a sea of remotes are you sick of tangled wires Would your TV look better on the wall? Are you still watching online theater shows on your laptop? Practice good home theater hygiene with Clifton Connect. As technology tries to make our lives easier, it often just seems like it's complicating things. Clifton will help you make sense of it all by optimizing and streamlining your home entertainment experience. As your favorite local artists are creating better and better online content, keep up with the quality and experience the art at its full potential. Clifton Connect offers installation and integration of new and existing devices, system upkeep, consultation, recommendation, and supply. Find us online at cliftonconnect.net or email us at clifton at cliftonconnect.net. It's time for headlines. Headlines, headlines, headlines. This is everyone's favorite everyone's uh, part of the show. Favorite part of the show. So we're gonna we're gonna talk to you. We're gonna bring up some headlines, and we're just gonna get your take on them. So, yes. So okay. our first headline um, found this one via Reddit on CNBC.com, uh, and it's that the Johnson and Johnson CEO says people may need annual COVID vaccine shots for the next several years. Oh God! Fuck. What do you think about that? <laughs> do you think we'll need like the double doses? Because don't you have to get like two or three now or two? Yeah, yeah. Well, I heard that the Johnson and Johnson one might just be one. Oh. Might... Yeah. Well, I'm getting. Um, I know. I just got mine today. By the way, I got. Um, oh, congratulations! I got my first vaccine as an know. educator. Um, it's fine. My arm's just a little bit sore. Mm-hmm. I think I was I was literally having a panic attack in the line, waiting, breathing. Like I don't know. I thought I was gonna die or something. Do you? Uh, um, how and do then, you do with needles? Oh, I just look away. Okay. Yeah, I just look away. But there were so many people getting vaccinated. I was like, just look at the amount of people here. Oh, that's what was. And no one about. is dying. Yeah, yeah. no <laughs> one is collapsed. I don't know why it was so <laughs> irrational. Um. So yeah. Um, I hate the idea that we would have to get them once a year. It's terrible. Yeah. 
I'm actually trying. I mean, I don't even know when like, people our age are going to be able to to get the vaccine. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, I heard you said you got it because you're a, an educator. You said Sam. Yeah. Interesting. I was teaching this year, and so I'm wondering if that Clifton? me. Oh no, Clifton! I'm telling I you, it's actually really easy. Okay. Um, there's an. I'm gonna send you the link. There's mm, an oh, assistant, thanks. like little wizard thing, at the bottom, and it asks you, um, you know, what age group you work with. Um, sure. it kind of goes through everything, and then it just leads you into shed, um, scheduling the the appointment. And you should do it because I think the more people who get it, that, the more yeah, no, you totally. know, safe we all are. That's a good yeah. Point. And if you're going to work with kids soon, you should do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was working for Buckman and then uh, it was just kind of got terminated uh, after the summer. And then so but they said they'd hire me back. Yeah. So as long as they keep saying that, maybe I can get a vaccine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, you abs- yeah. they should have actually notified you about yeah. how to do it. Oh, yeah. Well, not surprised. But anyways. Yeah. Funny. Great. Oh, well, funny. well, there you go. Uh, All right. I, I have a headline here, um, and I will explain. So Lil Uzi Vert got a $24 million. Uh-huh. That's $24 million Dollar. diamond <laughs> implanted <gasps> into his forehead. Is this I not, heard is this about cultural this. appropriation, though? Is it not? Well, well, Am I don't I going- know, because yeah. it's also futurist. I I I I see what you're saying. It didn't. I think I was so stricken at first with the fact that he implanted it in his skull. That I like. True. <laughs> that's also think... a different thing. I don't. But I don't no, know. But no. No. I, I I see that. It's uh, a. Yeah. It's also a very ancient tradition, you know. So I wonder. I mean, I don't know. It's like part of me is like it's cool. Like it's sick as fuck for sure. But also, it's like a little bit late stage capitalism to me. You know, mm. it's like there's, well, you know, so it's 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 really hard. I, I don't know. How to feel about it. There's been a lot. <laughs> there's been a lot like that. Yeah. And it seems like the only it seems like the thing that would happen in this current climate, you know, just like mm-hmm. the world's falling apart. You know, there's a siege mm-hmm. in the capital and people are implanting twenty four million dollars just into their body. Just casually. Mm. Yeah. And then what does that say about him and his status, you know, in the world? Yeah. 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 I I tweeted something like, I'm weeping for him because just to think about like that there is a certain amount of self self worth that you're getting from this. You know, Mm. like that you're you know, that there's a certain amount of validation that you're seeking and it's just like that you would go through something that's literally life threatening. Yeah. And and, you know, and really puts a a mark on you, you know, now you're a target. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because yeah. can I ask something about this? Because I heard it in passing from my son yes. and I just kind of laughed at it. But um, like, how is it like, can someone like steal Fantasy. it out of? <laughs> yeah, can they <laughs> can they like hold him down and dig it out? And I bet you somebody's going to try and find out. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I, I'm wondering because I know, I, you know, I've seen like the subcutaneous implants where people put like the silicone pieces under their skin to like mm-hmm. kind of like piercing. But I know also people will put like the diamonds in their teeth. But I think that that's like either adhesive or sometimes they'll actually drill in and put a little post in. That's mm. what I I just don't know. You're just like it's a hole in the skull and then a little uh, little yeah. uh, screw hole to screw something into. You know, 
pop that right in there. And, oh, uh, yes. But yes. like, probably. But yeah. we go there and we're talking about drilling into someone's skull. Well, somebody <laughs> joked online that it's like all it's going to take is him to like put a t-shirt on the wrong way one day. <laughs> Ouch. Sucks. Yeah. Yikes. And bumping into things like if he bumps into something with his head too hard. Oh, my like, God. He won't. He's really short. Will it kill him? <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he's like five foot five. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, I, you're taller I'm than me. Tall. You're taller than me. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> I also saw just in the same conversation that uh, so after this, him uh, Grimes became like a fast friend, and Grimes is also kind of like in this alternative mm. world, and mm-hmm. um, they both were kind of going back and forth, saying that they're going to get the Neuralink implants. Which uh, is basically like a computer chip that you can get implanted into your brain, uh, so that you can eat. A, you can. It's it's being invented so that people who are like paraplegic can use their brains to uh, start to move their limbs. That was the original intent. But these yeah. people are, you know, millionaires, and they're probably going to use it to access their phone. <laughs> the no, brain. you know that's where we're going. Yeah. That's where we're going. It's going to mm-hmm. be there. I just. Yeah, well, there's it, no getting away from that. And the technology exists, which is the craziest thing, is they're planning on getting these implants, you know, within the next year. And mm. it's just, you know, I, I, I wanted to bring up, I brought up Grimes, but I wanted to bring up Grimes to segue to Elon Musk, because I'm curious, <laughs> what is your opinion of Elon Musk? <laughs> oh, he is such a douchebag. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you like? Was he, there anything? Did you know anything about his family growing up or anything like that? Because you're both South no. African, correct? Yeah, yeah. No, because I think he moved to the states when he was really young. Like I don't think. Uh, no, but he has a South African accent, so I don't know much about him. I just um, his practices, like his business practices, are just so shitty. Mm. Um, you know, and he. Um, he's a brilliant he's a brilliant mind but where is he taking us like what what is he creating for us that's better yeah so (laughs) no um i just don't know about him yeah Yeah, i can't pin him just yet i mean what's interesting is that there are worse you know billionaires than him which is just kind of Uh, like weird and i don't know but yeah i mean also i feel like this (laughs) <laughs> yeah but should billionaires exist is another question yeah exactly in and of itself yeah um but yeah because maybe he was noble to begin with i just think that wealth can skew you in such a way that you lose sight of what you were kind of here to do yeah but yeah. Yeah. i don't know anyways uh kind of along the same lines well similar lines to elon musk though uh amazon warehouse workers are about to begin a historic vote to unionize at a plant in alabama so yeah um yeah there's that um i you know it's impossible not to think about amazon a lot because it's so so just everywhere and uh you know they have a lot of bad business practices and have a uh a CEO who made, you know, billions on the pandemic. Uh, but uh, yeah. also, I mean, it, it's, it's occurred to me that if, you know, if, if we're talking about <laughs> workers seizing the means of production, Amazon has created an efficient 
delivery system of goods throughout the world. And if maybe if the workers and people all along the supply chain can have like access into that, um, including the producers of goods, mm-hmm. it, it takes a long way. But I like my hope is that maybe that could lead to something good. But in any case, unionizing people, I'm always a fan of. So uh, curious about your thoughts on that. Mm. Ribby. Thank you. Um, yeah, I definitely actually do see where you're coming from. Like if every individual had a voice within this company and we got rid of all of the terrible higher up people, but I also feel like that could be applied to literally any mm-hmm. company or true. any industry, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I feel like yes, workers should unionize at Amazon, but like beyond the good for the workers there, yeah, like what's the what's the larger good? Like is Amazon Amazon still continues to be Amazon? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and just resources start to get dis- displaced a little differently. Right. Not to but, mention that Amazon literally it, it kind of pushes smaller competitors out of the market. Right. Yeah. So yeah. It, you know uh-huh. yeah. that could go south really fast. I just don't you know nothing. And it's the same kind of as the Elon Musk thing. It's like you can't rely on the benevolence or the good heartedness of company owners to do the right thing. Um, and it's it's such a no brainer. Like um, Jeff Bezos could be like the most magnanimous um, employer. Uh, he could, you know, at, working at Amazon could be a really fabulous, you know, place. You could have healthcare, and you could, you know be taken care of and you know like all the things we want not overworked um safe you know they're so unsafe from covid Mm. um so yeah Mm. i just and the bar has been set low so low for them as well where it's like oh wow you did something (laughs) any little thing that they do while they still if they all thought about it could solve world hunger pretty quick yeah not to mention he just (laughs) stepped away from yeah exactly (laughs) especially a company like amazon yeah I mean, he, he, him personally, I mean, he could just give, you know, most of his money away and still be incredibly wealthy and solve so many world problems. Yeah. Um, why he shouldn't be allowed. That's where I think that's where we've got to cap. Um, we've got to cap wealth. And I heard what I hear. 999 million is the cutoff. And then they name a dog park after you and say you won capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you Perfect. get to collect two hundred dollars. You just get yeah. a card you can swipe anywhere forever. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's do some plugs. Uh so this is just the part of the show where you can plug anything you feel like our audience, which is so vast. Um massive international following. Yeah, huge, huge demographic <laughs> base. I believe it. Um just should know about. Earlier, we mentioned the um, community fridges, and there are definitely fridges outside of Portland as well in other cities around the country, you know? Um, So yeah, I mean, like anybody can cook for them. Anybody can buy food and bring the food to them and care for their community. Look up the local free fridges near you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they, they have a great Instagram um, mm-hmm. where they update, you know, there's all these updates on the fridges. Um, really easy to know what's needed where if you want to help. That's awesome. I love that plug. 
Um, I want to plug the book Flight by Sherman Alexie. Um, I just listened to that um, on the Multnomah County Library Libby app. I'm a big audiobook fan. I've been playing a lot of books lately that I've been listening to exclusively. I haven't looked at paper in a while, um, but Flight is really, really great. It's um, And Sherman Alexie is a wonderful indigenous writer from uh, the Seattle area. Um, and uh, Flight is, uh, it's, I don't want to give too much away, but there's time travel. And I wasn't expecting that. So that was great. <laughs> nice. I'd like to plug Soul, which is a movie on Disney Plus. Starring Jamie oh. Foxx and Tina Fey. And I had a wonderful experience with that movie. I think, especially if you have children, I thought it was a great non-denominational way to approach experiencing life and kind of like uh, metaphysical thinking. And I think it's a great way to introduce your kids to that type of thing. And also to introduce your young artists into getting in the zone. So I'd like to play mm. soul. Yeah. Yeah, I've been we've been wanting to watch that, but we don't want to get Disney Plus. So we're in a bind. Borrow, borrow somebody's. Yeah, you have to borrow <laughs> you can find someone you can give you a login. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, does Disney not have a free trial? No. Nope. They do, but we already used oh, it yeah. for some to watch something else. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I'm I'm in a strange place because I just opened you know, this show. And um, so my brain's pretty empty right now. And uh, we also have a puppy, which is taking up most of my time. So I, my plug is weird. It's just walking in nature, like walking outside. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forget how good it is for my soul to just get out every single day and be in nature. Um, we're so tapped in right now to our technology and i think we can go for weeks and weeks without you know especially if we're working on something um and every time i do it i'm like i have to do this every day i commit to doing this every day and then something takes over and you get busy and so i plug committing to walking in nature every day yes i love that oh and i found that instagram for the uh, free fridges it's a at PDX Free Fridge on Instagram. So if you want to support, get involved, know what's going on with that, check that out. Yes, please oh, yeah. support your local free fridge. I can't hey. say thank you enough to the both of you for coming onto our show and having this wonderful conversation. So I just say I respect you so much, Sam. Thank you so much. And Rebby is oh, really nice to meet you. you. And I yeah hope to work with both of you in the near future. Same. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> likewise. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Bye, y'all. Good to see you. All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Radical Listening. If you have questions or would like to reach out, feel free to reach out to our email, which is radicallisteningpodcast at gmail.com, or visit the Coho Theater website for more information. And thanks for listening.